Take your Bible and turn to the, the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. Years ago, 1964, I met a man by the name of Dr. Mark Cameron. He was the vice president of Florida Bible College. So he was a friend of Dr. Lindstrom and myself and every student that came. Just fell in love with Dr. Cameron. He was a jolly man. He loved the Lord. He studied the scriptures. He prayed scripture. You touched him and he'd go, Jesus. Uh, but he was just one awesome individual. And um, he became the president of Seaside Mission, which was a Jewish ministry. And he would always be sharing in chapel and our classes because I had him for hermeneutics. And he said, what's that? That's uh, just the art of biblical interpretation and also um, Bible doctrine. But the man, he, he knew his material. He knew it well. He loved prophecy. And um, got to go to Israel with Dr. Stanford. And, but anyway, he would always be talking about the people who came to Seaside Mission. And Jewish people would come in. And they would invite others that didn't know the Lord. And they was always talking about the Messiah, you know. And he says... It's amazing that he would be explaining the Passover because that's something that they all knew because they all did it and they participated in it most of their life. And they would, you know, have the, the Seder, which is the symbolic meaning in the, of, the, of the Passover, of the, the feast that they had. And uh, he would tell about different ones and how that right in the middle of it sometime when he was talking about the the matzah that was broken and the piece that was hidden and, and all he'd go through it. And next thing you know, Dr. Mark Cameron, he would start crying because somebody that came would start crying and then he'd have all the students all crying. And uh, it was just like it was contagious, you know, because you try to picture the, the little meeting that he's talking about and the table that he said he had and he would go through it and he'd have on his little... Yamaha, uh, uh, Tamako, Yamaha. <laughs> Jay, what did he call it? That's what I said. Anyway, that little thing that you get, you know, a little, this ain't no bigger than an upside down cereal bowl. I mean, and they would put it on their head. I've been to Israel all these times and I've seen them, they all, they're running around with that thing, you know. And Dr. Cameron, he wasn't Jewish, but he looked Jewish. And he loved the Jewish people, and he would always talk, and, and he would tell so many of us the, some of the stories and how he would go through. And now I, I wanted to share some of that with you because, see, uh, we talk about Resurrection Sunday. It's really, it has to do with Passover. And if you understand a little bit more about the Passover, and I, I don't understand everything. I, I'm, I'm still learning and growing, but I know it's a precious time. But I know that many of the people, and the Jewish people, even though they went through the ritual of it, didn't understand the meaning of it. And sometimes whenever they see that you're talking about the Messiah, you're talking about Christ. And it's hard to get through it whenever somebody who really knows it and can point all that stuff out. And Dr. Cameron would just go, he'd go, if you cut his suspenders, he would so, he'd just go straight up. And, uh, but just, he just loved the Lord, a great man. But in the book of Exodus, I want you to look there in chapter 12. And look in verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, 
both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This is the Passover. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. So just picture for a moment. Uh, no, the table up here. There's a big old table. You can use the communion table if you want to. But there's things that are on this table, and it's the, um, the symbolic representation or celebration that they would go through and the passage of the people of Israel out of bondage and to freedom. And so Dr. Mark Campbell would always tell us about the situation. And, of course, almost everybody done heard it a thousand times about how the, you know, Israel was in bondage in Egypt and about going through the Red Sea and all that. And so we hear the story. We, we've heard it. And sometimes, you know, can you say anything that you haven't already heard? And sometimes you can't, but you just love to hear it one more time. It's kind of like the gospel. Just tell me one more time. And I, I don't get tired of hearing the gospel. And I, I don't get tired of hearing about the, the, the Passover and that story of coming out of slavery into freedom. Because isn't that really what's happened to us? We were all enslaved. We didn't have a chance. We couldn't deliver ourselves. And the Lord performed a miracle. And he brought us forth into a new life. And that's what happened to me 51 years ago. When I trusted Christ as my Savior. What a wonderful time. I want you to take your Bible very quick and look in the book of Luke. The book of Luke. And... Chapter 22, I was in this portion of Scripture earlier this morning when we had our communion service. But in chapter 22, I just want to refer to just a couple of verses here, verse 15 and verse 16. Because he had told him, he says, prepare the table, prepare for the, the Passover. So Jesus was going to celebrate the Passover. And little did they know, he, he, he is the Passover. He was the Lamb. And here he was with his disciples. And so he says there in verse 13, he says, make ready for the Passover. Then in verse 15, and he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. In other words, this was a type of what was going to take place, and the fulfillment is yet in the future, the total fulfillment. Because it's not just this resurrection from the dead. You see, there's another part of the story that we'll get to when we talk about the, the matzah, and it's a, a wonderful story. But I wish that sometimes, I, I wish I could have been Jewish. I wouldn't mind being Jewish. I'd have a big old star David around my neck, you know. But I'm a goy, I'm, I'm, I'm a Gentile. But I love the story about what God has done, and sometimes I wish that I could. But you can't change things, it's the way it is. But I want you to just kind of set the table for you and some of the things that they would have on the table because of what they were going to do and what each one symbolizes. And so these, these five things that was on this table was there for a reason, and they represented something. 
And one was the lamb, which they were to remember, the sacrificial lamb. See, whenever they were in Egypt, and there was going to be the, the death that night. Well, see, the firstborn was going to die. And so in order for the children of Israel, protection, uh, then they were to slay a lamb and take the hyssop, a little branch, and dip it in the blood and put it upon the, the lintel and the doorpost. And there, therefore, when I see the blood, I'll pass over this house. And so this lamb was to remind them of the sacrifice that was paid for the firstborn that night not to die. So it's a, it's a wonderful story and something they should be remembered. You see, there also they had the hard-boiled egg, which simply represented the symbolic of life. And so they did this, and mainly whenever they went into the temple in Jerusalem, uh, that became more prevalent. But then they had the bitter herbs. The bitter herbs. Have you ever had horseradish? Have you ever get a nice steak and have horseradish? That goes perfect with a steak, horseradish. Try horseradish all by itself, full strength. You talk about opening you up. You talking about a bitter taste in your mouth. But it was symbolic and it was for a reason. And to remind them of the bitterness of the slavery they had when they were in Egypt. Remember how they cried out to God for God to do something and God heard them and sent Moses down? It was because God told Moses, he said, I've heard the cries of my people. Because the taskmasters were laying it upon them. And then they had to build bricks without straw and just made it so terrible for them. To be a slave, to have no hope, no way of delivering yourselves. And it was only by the mighty power of God that was done. But you see, they had to have the remembrance. Because see, as people, we forget things. We forget all the answers to prayer and we worry about the ones that's coming up. And we just don't seem to remember. Do you remember how good God's been to you? If he can save you and give you eternal life, don't you think he can give you a hamburger from day to day? If he's blessed you all these years and kept you alive, don't you think uh, God could be worthy of your trust? Hasn't he earned the right to be trusted, to be believed? And then they had the spring vegetables. And uh, it wasn't much, a little sprig, maybe of parsley and uh, something, something like a little potato. And, uh, but they were for a reason. Because, see, in the spring, spring of life, new life. And so everything that they had and everything that they did was for a reason. And so the table would be spread. And they had a, uh, a little dish of salt water. And the little dish of salt water was for also a reason. And that was to remind them of the tears of their slavery. See, there was bitterness and the bitterness brought tears. And so God wanted the people of Israel to always remember the way it was so they could always focus upon the one who delivered them from all of that. Lest ye forget. There's a whole psalm that talks about lest we forget. And they, they did forget. They did not remember just how good and wonderful God had been to them. And then there was also three other things that they had and they had the matzah, and they had three pieces. So you can picture three pieces of matzah there. This was unleavened bread. And because of the haste 
of having to get out of Egypt and to leave quickly. They had no time for the bread to sit with the yeast in it and to rise. So they had to just get the stuff and, and leave in a hurry. And it was unleavened, no yeast in it. And leaven is a type of sin. And so they had to, to do this. And so they had the bread. They had a cup for each person in order to drink of the fruit of the vine. And then the candles. I, I want you to take your Bible and look here in the book of Exodus in chapter 10. All the way back in the Old Testament, Exodus and chapter 10. Remember, in the, um, the ninth judgment, the ninth judgment, they would also do some things because of remembering the plagues that had come. And they had to cite, you know, the, the plagues, the various plagues. And uh, the plagues, as you recall, and you ought to know this because you watched the movie Ten Commandments with Charleston Heston. But if you didn't see the movie, it's, uh, it's in a book. It's in the Bible. And there was the, the plague and, uh, of, of blood. Everything turned into blood. And there were several miracles before this, and the Egyptians were able to copycat the, some of the miracles. They did the, okay on the first two. After that, it was all downhill for them. They couldn't keep up with what the little true and living God could do. Until the day the conclusion was uh, the God of Moses, he is God. He is God. He is the Lord. And so God had to work all of these plagues upon the people, trying to get Pharaoh to change his mind. So he sent the blood, changing all the one to blood. And then came the, the frogs, frogs everywhere. A plague of frogs. Don't you like frog, frog legs? But the frogs came. And then the lice, and then the flies, all these things that came. And then the disease upon the cattle, and then the boils all over their bodies. And then the hail, and then the locusts, and then the blackness. And after the blackness, the death of the firstborn. So God brought all of these plagues upon the people. I want you to look there in verse 21 of Exodus chapter 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They saw not one another, Neither rose any from his place for three days. And you ought to underline this part in your Bible. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwelling. Dark everywhere in the world, but only with Israel and in their dwellings was their light. And it was light for three days. They had three candles that they would put on the table that represented that though the world is dark, there's light with the Lord. And though Egypt had no light, Israel had light. You know, there's a message in there somewhere. I bet there is. When you stop and think, he says, the world is in darkness. We were born into the kingdom of darkness. 
But when you and I trusted Christ as our Savior, we were placed into the kingdom of light. Well, remember, Jesus came into the world and says, I am the light of the world. He is the light of the world. I don't have time to look at this verse, but in the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 5 and verse 6 and 8, it talks about Christ is our Passover. Cast out the leaven. It's talking about you and I as individuals, remembering that we're supposed to live a clean, holy, pure life, and that we're supposed to search and make sure that we kind of get these things taken care of and get them out of our lives. You see, one of the things that they would do is, before the ceremony actually started, is get a broom and sweep and make sure they got up all the crumbs of the bread, lest there would be some yeast in it, so that there'd be no yeast, because it's a type of sin. And whenever we come to celebrate our communion service, that's why we're asked to search our heart, because we want the Lord to search us and then reveal to us any area in our life that needs to be corrected, that needs to be changed. And God will take care of those things for us. I want you to take your Bible and look in the book of John, chapter 13. Look in John, chapter 13. You'll notice in the Gospel of John, in chapter 13, something wonderful happened one night. It was a Passover, by the way, that they were celebrating. And... Uh, at this uh, Passover, it says in verse 1 of chapter 13, in verse 1, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Verse 3, Jesus, no, do you think he knew what Judas was going to do? And you'll notice that the Bible talks about Judas was sent out that night. You see there in verse 31, therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified. Therefore, when he was gone out, uh, look in verse 30. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out. And I wonder why it would just happen to say that. It was night. You know, I could make a sermon out of that somewhere. It was night. See, as I talk and as I reflect upon some of these things, you'd be surprised. You might be able to think of something. You know, I bet that means this. You know, that, that could mean that. And when you gain uh, knowledge of the Bible, you'd be surprised how certain things just kind of comes into your mind. And God can speak and so forth to every individual. But see, this is what some of the Jewish people did. Not everybody did exactly the same thing all the time. You got people today, Jewish people today, that don't even celebrate the uh, Passover. They don't care anything about it. And some things don't mean the same thing. And, you know, I, I, I really don't know. I'm not Jewish. I've never been to one. I'd like to see it all done. But knowing Dr. Cameron... I just got enthralled just listening to him talk about it because he would relate and refer to so many of these things. And, you know, in the same chapter, when he's talking about the Passover, he's talking to his disciples and he gets down there. And what does he do? He gets a, a basin with some water in it and starts to do something. What is he doing? He's going to wash their feet. 
washing their feet at the Passover. I bet there's a message in there somewhere. Did you know that he's Peter? You are not going to wash my feet. Jesus said, I don't wash your feet. You have no part with me. Well, not just my feet. Wash the whole body. He says, you that are washed don't need a total bath. Just need to clean your feet. You see, once you trust Christ as Savior, you've already been washed as white as snow. But as we go through life, we kind of get a little dirt on us here at times. And God says you need to wash your feet. 1 John 1, 9 is how we wash our feet. God wants us to stay clean. But you see, what they did in the Passover, there's always a reason behind that, a story that's there. So the Seder begins with the, the lighting of those candles, and then there would be the blowing of the shofar. Remember, they would come into Jerusalem on Passover, and I mean everybody would be there. I mean the place would be just packed. And whenever they would blow the shofar, then the, the high priest knew this is when they would sacrifice the lambs. I wonder if there was a shofar that sounded at night. I would love to have known. When I first came here, I remember the, one of the first services we had, somebody had a, a big old shofar, a horn. Who had that? Wasn't Marianne, didn't you bring that? Yeah, somebody had one, and I remember. I'm not sure if I blew it or not. I'm not sure. You can pass out just trying to make that thing sound. But anyway, I want you to know that there are some things that happened at the celebration, the Seder, that if you listen closely, you can see Christ. You can see him in just about everything. Now, they had the cup of sanctification, and it was filled. And then there was a prayer that summed up the reason for the celebration, and they would all drink. And then the youngest one, usually, would ask a couple questions. Because, you know, this night was different from all other nights. What's so different about this night? Because this night, why do we eat lamb? We can eat anything, all the other, but why this night? We do this. And then there was a the question about, why, why do we have to eat these bitter herbs? And usually the youngest one or a child would make the statement, ask the question. And why do we have to dip our food twice? And why do we have to eat the lamb? Why do we eat matzah, the unbroken bread? What, what's all this about? So they had the questions, and then as they would do it, then they would answer, and at different times they would have different songs or recite various prayers and so on. I just cut to a lot of stuff and just get to the things that really interest me. And then there's the partaking of the spring vegetables, which represents the new life. And they would take the, the little sprig of parsley and they would dip it into that little bowl of salt water. Very, very salty. Very yucky as I'm concerned. And then they would eat it along with maybe a hard-boiled egg and some other stuff. But it was a coming out of the tears because of the bitterness that they had to go through, the lessons that they've had to learn, knowing that only God 
could do this for them. And the Lord walked them through all these things and helped them to see. Then there is the breaking of the, the middle matzah. There was three of them. Three pieces of unleavened bread. Now, you may wonder, why, why was there three? I think there's a story there someplace. You know, it could be representative to me in my mind. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You know, we call it the Trinity, the triune God. We're talking about a Trinity. Our Lord is one God. And the second one is the Son of God. And the second one is the one that's taken from the middle and it's broken. And the smaller piece usually put back down on the table, but then that other one, the larger one, they would wrap it up. And then they'd hide it. And the matzah also had to have something done to it to make sure that it doesn't rise and there's no yeast in it, you know. And so they would stripe it, and then they would pierce it. So that whenever they baked it, it'd be flat as a flitter. But it represented something. Now, why would you take the matzah, no leaven, stripe it, pierce it, and it's the second one, and break it? I bet there's a story here. You probably can't even come close to figuring it out who that might represent. I remember someone who said, I am the bread of life. Anybody remember that? Do you believe that there's a possibility that the one that was broke could be a picture of the Son of God, Jesus Christ? And that he was broken and wrapped in a napkin and hid? The story ain't over, though. Not yet. It ain't over. So I believe there's more than just meets the eye. There's the, at this time, the reciting of the, the ten plagues. And as they would do that, they would take the cup that they had, and maybe with a little spoon or something like that, and just into a plate. As they would say, the blood, one of the plagues. And then the frogs, the lice, the flies, the cattle, the boils, the hail, the locusts, the darkness of night, the firstborn. And they were to do this because God wanted them to remember all that God had done to the enemy so that they would finally come to the conclusion when I said, let my people go, you let my people go. And they went. And God brought them out. And though the world was dark for three days, there was light in the house of Israel. And Israel was to be the light of the world. God was going to use Israel as a testimony to the world of what God would do through one nation that would yield to them. And Israel kind of messed up their wonderful opportunity. And now the Lord says to the church, you are the light of the world. 
The world is dark without the knowledge of truth. And you and I have been given this wonderful knowledge of how to have eternal life, this truth. And we're supposed to explain it to everyone. The Bible says Christ was our Passover. And all of this is about Christ and what he did for us. There were these three main symbols of the Passover, the, the lamb, the, the matzah, and the, the bitter herbs. And each one represented something, the lamb, the remember the sacrifice, the matzah, the bread of life, and the bitter herb, to remember the story, the life of slavery. Look there in Exodus and chapter 1. Exodus and chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. And look in verse 14. And you'll see that this is what they were to remember. And they made their lives bitter. The Egyptians. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick. And then sometimes they would even have some crushed up apples and some crushed up walnuts and they put it together so that there would be a, something that had like a little sweet taste representing the mortar that they used between the blocks of the bricks. God had so many things for them to cause them to remember. Now let me tell you this. You have no idea how many things will happen in your life that God wants you to remember. And because you fail to remember and you start going astray and God will kind of have to chasten you a little bit. Maybe even have you flashbacks of remembering. I've seen so many people who have wasted their life. And there was a song that somebody wrote called Wasted Years. Wasted Years. And they think about all those years they lived and wasted those years. And then they look back with such grief. Heartache because they messed up so terribly without honoring God, without doing what God wanted, then they realize and the sorrow that brings upon themselves. God wants us to remember what He's done for us and remember how good He is. Remember what He promised us and that He'll never leave you and never forsake you and He will walk with you and He wants us to trust Him. You remember when Israel finally got into the land, how difficult it was for them to trust the Lord in the land of milk and honey. He says, because when you get fat, everything that you want, you're going to forget the God who gave it to you. Did they? They did. And you'll be surprised how your life used to be. And then when God starts blessing you, how you can so easily drift from the Lord. And forget how good God's been to you. And because you wouldn't give God the honor or the praise and stay faithful, God began to slowly take it away from you. Because you forgot. God wants to always be remembered. When it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways, thank God. Acknowledge Him, thank God. God wants to always be on your mind. In your mind. God wants that. Look in Numbers in chapter 9. Numbers in chapter 9 and verse 11. In verse 11 it makes this statement. 
the fourteenth day of the second month at even. They shall keep it and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Now, what they were eating was the lamb, the sacrifice, and it says here, they ate with the unleavened bread, the matzah, and the bitter herbs. Now, whether or not they made it into a, a 9-11 sandwich, I don't know. But they were to eat it. And this was toward the end and of the, the whole thing. And so when it was over with and they had, somebody always finds, of course, the matzah that was hidden. They bring it out and it's a time of joyous occasion. But remember this. You and I know that Jesus was, yes, he was broken because he had been striped and pierced. And he was crucified to pay for our sins of the whole world. He didn't do this just for Israel. He did it for us too. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then to wrap it in a napkin and hide it away. And we know that Jesus was wrapped in a napkin and hidden away for three days and three nights. Almost like the three days that it was night. But he came back from the dead. You remember when the disciples, the women, everybody went looking for him, trying to find him? I think there's part of the illustration that uh, might be found in that too. Did you know that the time will come when Christ will appear in great glory at the end, end of the tribulation period? And every eye will see him. I want you to take your Bible, look in Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah and chapter 13. This is a verse that I think there might be a message here. Because when he shows up and they see him, the one they have been illustrating all these years and didn't know this is the Messiah. This was Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says in Zechariah chapter 13, look there in verse 6. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. This is when it happened. I came to the house of my friends, and they knew him not. They received him not. They striped him and pierced him and broke him. And he says, my body is broken for you. He didn't break one bone, but he was broken. He didn't die of a heart attack, but his heart was broken. Jesus died for us. And so when we do the communion service, it's looking back to what he did. Now, you and I are not Israelites, and we don't have to go all the way back to the land of Egypt. Just go back to the day you trusted the Lord. Can you remember what it was like to be lost? 
Some people, when they trust the Lord young, they don't have too much of a memory there. I remember when I was lost. I remember how I thought and how I felt. I remember searching for God and wondering and hoping. One day, a man who had a light shined it, and I saw. He showed me the Son of God, and I believed it. Trusted Christ as my Savior 51 and a half years ago, and I still remember it as if it happened yesterday. I've told the story so many times, I can't get it out of my mind. I tell it over and over and over and over again. And I don't think I'm going to stop now. Till he come. Till he comes. Look up here. I got a few notes, but it's difficult to read them when you got water in your eyes. My eyes sweat a lot. This hand represents you and me. The wall represents sin. See, this is just an illustration. This represents something. It's telling a story. I've had people say, well, I just despise that old wallet illustration. It's just illustrating the story. Do you despise the story? Do you despise that story? All I'm doing is illustrating the the story. Should the children of Israel despise what happened because, well, we done done this every year for 4,000 years. Don't you think we ought to quit by now? This is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God says he loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. And because of our sins, we're enslaved. Just like the children down in Egypt. We can't deliver ourselves. We have no hope. And unless God works a miracle, we're doomed. So there is hope. But God says you can't deliver yourself. You can't save yourself. You need a Savior. That's why God says not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us. So this hand represents Jesus Christ. God in the flesh came into the world. He didn't have any sin. Matzah. No leaven. No sin. And yet because he loved us, he allowed the world to stripe him, to pierce him. And he bore our sins in his body on the cross. So he took all the sin of all the world and paid for it, came back again from the dead. You see, he was hidden in a napkin. He came back from the dead and said that if you and I, if we would believe that he did this for us, he would put this death payment he made to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what he did. You see, he took all of our bitterness, all of our lostness, our sinfulness, our wickedness, and our sins were placed upon him, and he became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. See, that's what God has done for us. And there's things that he wanted the nation of Israel to always remember. The Lord gave us the communions, what we call the, the Lord's Supper. We celebrate it the first Sunday of every month. And the reason is so, lest we forget. Lest we forget. 
I hope the next communion service we have, every one of you are in. It ought to be a precious thing for you. Let's pray, shall we? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope that somehow you understood a little bit how that, yes, God loves you. You're trapped. You're a slave. Slave to sin. You can't save yourself. You're lost and you're undone. You'll spend an eternity in hell. But God loves you. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to go to heaven. And so he made it free. If it wasn't free, we couldn't go. We could never pay for it. So he said that he would pay for all of your sins, and if you would believe he did it for you, he would put the payment he made to your account. You get to go to heaven on what he did, not what you do. It's a gift, totally free. Would you trust him? Would you believe it? If you will trust Christ as your Savior this morning, I'd like to have prayer for you. And so I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And said, preacher, that made sense to me. And I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. If you will, would you slip your hand up very quickly? You want it all. You want it all. If you trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that Passover means a little bit more to you. When next Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, I hope it means just maybe a little bit more to you. Because not only did he come back from the dead, he's coming again. He's coming to get us. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you. We thank you, Lord, for the, the opportunity to preach your word for every person here, for those listening by radio. We're so thankful that salvation is free. Christ paid it all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.